right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile has amazing deals for everyone at any of the Lawrence locations. Don't choose between value or coverage. Get both. With T-Mobile, we have Brian Haney like joining us. the show. We, we we give great coverage of, of sports and great value. Man, you should be writing these things. Anyway, I mean, we're um, the, we're the ultimate value. All you got to do yeah. is listen to our commercials. Look at those look at those segues. Adam's a professional. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm a semi pro. Uh, RCST trivia four hundred five. Brian Haney is going to join the show at about five twenty five here on uh, RCST, and we're also going to get to around the world normally we do it on wednesday but we haven't really been able to get to it with with trivia and we've also got a stock market report coming up at the top of the five o'clock hour um but we lead off today's show jalen wilson is officially testing um and what that means no he is not taking a test at kansas although maybe he is i don't know um he is testing the nba draft waters it did he say he is, by the way? No, he did I, I not. I just saw, like, he shared on his Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you say what it is. I, I, I just, I, I wanted What's to get agency? that out there. So, uh, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, we haven't, like, actually heard something specifically from him, but 7-1 Agency uh, took to Instagram and said, we are so excited to welcome at the Jalen Wilson to the 7-1 family as he enters the NBA draft process. And uh, he shared that, didn't he? Or he liked it or something? I think he did. Um, we haven't heard anything one way or another, but it appears that kind of means he's declaring. Uh, Michael Swain of Fog.net did some research and found that that agency is certified because if you remember, the uh, like the NCAA allows you to basically, I don't know if hire is the right word, but basically you get meet, feedback right yeah. from, from certain agencies, but they have to be certified through a certain program. Yeah. And this one is certified, which means that even though he's testing, he's maintaining his college eligibility. They can come back. Back in the day, I'll give you an example. That, but by the way, why is that a thing? You can make money well, off NIL, so who cares? Fair question. Um, nonetheless, but I, I like back in the day, and this was this wasn't this was obvious that the Morris twins were going. Everybody knew they were. But for whatever it's worth, back in the day, before this new process started in the last five years or so. The Morris twins um, had declared and was like, but the, the question was, will, will they talk to an agent or not? And then somebody saw them, and they weren't trying to be sneaky about it because they were never coming back. But just to be clear, somebody saw them at like a, a dinner, like a, a nice restaurant having dinner with an agent, like interviewing them. And that was kind of the, basically the point is, is as soon as you met with an agent, that was the sign like Xavier Henry said, I'm going. I'm declaring for the draft and hiring an agent. So my point is, meeting with an agent used to be the sign that I'm not just testing. I'm gone. 
Uh, and again, with the Morris Twins isn't a great example because everyone knew they were gone. But the point to what you're you're saying, they are certified. They are a group that you can meet with. Um, I guess the point of that is you, you don't you know not just just get feedback from scouts, but feedback from uh, you know an agency might tell you, well, look, we can you know maybe negotiate this sort of contract for you this year, but maybe this is what you could get. I don't know what the what the deal is, but the point is. Um, this is a scout. This isn't like talking to a scout a decade ago, or, no. or talking to a uh, an agent a decade ago. No, I ago. I remember. Um, I don't know if you remember this name. Uh, he played at Texas. His name was Mike Cabongo. He was yeah, yeah, yeah. five star prospect. Was supposed to be pretty good. Ended up being okay. Wasn't anything special. And you know some some Texas teams that were kind of in the in the down years of Rick Barnes at the end. There, he got suspended the first twenty three games of the season because he huh. met with an agent in May or something like that and flew him out there to a private workout with an NBA, and it was like over like $475 or something. I feel like that was a Selby thing, too, or maybe his, his. I thought his something had something to do with Carmelo Anthony. I don't think it was an agent, but Selby had to. He got his like however many games, like eight games, and again, it was like he had to pay back 900 bucks or something. Yeah, and couldn't the agent just now that NIL is legal just be like, hey, if I want to give you money, like, couldn't you just be like, hey, yeah. I've got this brand that I work with. They're going to give you money that I'm going to give them or something. Yeah, I don't I, know. It's, I, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. But anyway, he is testing. Um, by the way, Sunday is also the deadline. I don't know what time on Sunday. I don't know if it's just like by midnight or what for you to at least enter your name in the NBA draft to test. So that means even though we haven't, as of right now, heard about um, Christian Brown. I got to think. It's it's coming, right? I, I just don't. like. Yeah. He's going to at least I, test. I would be shocked if he doesn't at least. I mean, I, yeah, I really don't see a scenario in which he doesn't at least test. I, whatever, I, you know, and, and um, I've said all along, and, and I don't know, I, I know that every, and rightly so, every draft board has him lower than Ochai, which is, you know, makes sense. But I still think long term his game actually plays out in the NBA really, really well. So maybe he does go this year. But I, I, I gotta think he's a league test. I don't know why he wouldn't. You, yeah, you get feedback from pro scouts. Yeah, and he hasn't been through the testing yeah. process yet. You've never been able to do that before. So I'd imagine that's coming at some point in the next forty-eight hours. But as far as the Jalen Wilson one goes. It's interesting because he is the guy that I think we've kind of felt all along is maybe the most, like, Dave we, we felt like was going. Christian, I would lean toward he is going to stay in the draft just if I had to guess right now. Jalen is the one that I feel like would have the best chance of coming back to KU. Would you mm-hmm. agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I it, A lot of it would have to do with how does he view himself. Because mm-hmm. um, even if you get honest upfront feedback, if you really – view yourself differently than the scouts and and yeah you're gonna bet on yourself exactly um but i i don't know i there's so much i'll say this the thing about jalen and i'm obviously not an nba scout the thing about jalen is he he's not he has he doesn't have nba bounce and if you don't have nba bounce by this point in your life you're never getting nba bounce no he he needs to become a way better shooter and he didn't measure super well last year i can't imagine that's going to change i think he was he was like six five and a half without shoes now you play basketball with shoes and he measured six seven with shoes um but he's like six seven with a six eight wingspan with if you're going to be a guy who's playing as as a four probably got to have a better wingspan which means dodson a different position obviously but devon dodson he had he had a wingspan that was shorter than his body i think Svee had that too um but Svee was a different case and shots yeah that that was his role he was just going to come in and shoot so that doesn't really matter but with Jalen, the point that i'm making there with 
with that is that, you know, he's kind of in that that weird spot where he is athletically more of a four, mm. but more of like his his height and lack of, of standing reach plays more into being a three. And I think either way, no matter what, for him to, I guess, fulfill whatever his ceiling could be to getting into the NBA and having an opportunity there, it is going to involve him being a good shooter. Like, he just has to be a good shooter. That's uh, Yeah. And that's something the, I think he has to come back to prove. The athletic thing, the athletic elements, you can't... Like, Ochai, you saw... Like, he was not, after his freshman year, or sophomore year even, good enough to go to the NBA, but at least you saw levels of athleticism that made you go, okay, if he can start doing some things consistently, that's a real first-round level of athleticism. Yeah. Um, it, I've just never seen that level of athleticism from Jalen Wilson, and I don't... I've never seen anybody get it after, you know, not having it for a long period of time. Um, and so he's not, you know, in, in the, the specifics, I mean, of athleticism, I'm talking about he's not super springy. Like D- David McCormick, a, a, you know, amazing college basketball player. But, you know, J- Christian Brown, when they're they're they can jump almost equally high and McCormick is four or five inches taller. So he just doesn't have much bounce, and Jalen Wilson runs in that same trouble. He just doesn't have a heap of bounce. And there's a role for you in the NBA if you're built like that. If you have, if, if that is one of your limitations, that's fine. You can still carve out a niche in the NBA and make a career for yourself, but you have to be a really good shooter. Yeah, and, and that was a problem this year. And that he is something the he, that the good news is that's something I think he can he, he, and can't, I agree with he that. can't go make himself bouncier, but I think he can make himself a better shooter. Well, and you know, in the NBA, they always talk about um, like when they're doing NBA draft stuff and they're projecting. One of the things they look at with shooters is free throw percentage, because if you have a good free throw percentage, a lot of times they'll equate that to okay, you have good touch, and you have like uh, this idea that if you're an eighty or ninety percent free throw shooter, that you think there's more there as a three point shooter. Jalen Wilson led Kansas in free throw shooting in the NCAA yeah. tournament. I think he's 86%, something like that. Like, I think there is more there. He was a better shooter as a freshman. It still wasn't great. It was closer to 33%, but it was a lot better than it was this year. If he can come back next year and be a 36 37% three-point shooter, and you come back, more. I mean, at that point, too, if he comes back, if, if Christian Brown's gone as well, he's probably the Big 12 preseason player of the year. Yeah, he, so, he can cement himself. There's a lot of, of things he can perceptions he can change about himself next year if he comes back for another year. Christian Brown, I think his best case scenario is going from a guy who is borderline first to second round to top 20. Top right? 20, exactly. And, yeah. and, but the leap, I think Jalen, I don't think Jalen will ever be a, a first rounder. No, but, I, but he can be I, a second he rounder. He can make a heck of a leap in the second round, and I'm gonna, I've, I've repeated this a million times already, I'll do it again. The second round is so much different than it used to be the second round, you can really, you can you can make a a career in the NBA um, after being a second round pick in in the modern NBA. That's not how it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that is a big difference, and it's funny too because I think uh, one thing that NIL has changed, at least for me, you know, every time we would, and it was a little annoying, but I felt like it had to be said every time we would have to have these conversations about should a guy go pro or blah blah blah. We had to add the caveat of. But you never know what his situation is, and if he's he wants to go pro and start making money, I can't blame him because you're not getting paid. But now we don't have to have that conversation. We just don't because, like again, he's going to get paid more to come back to Kansas with NIL. Jalen Wilson, he's an awesome guy. Uh, he's great in interviews, very thoughtful. 
you know, uh, very express, you know, he, he had a, you know, his, it was so fun to watch that whole team and their exuberance and excitement after winning the national championship. But he's, I guess it's funny watching, you know, when you've got Dave who raised the roof, Christian Brown, obviously soup, you know, shows tons of emotion. Um, Remy Martin, when he, you know, started really coming out and, and playing really well late in March and, and obviously, you know, when everybody knows what happened, tons of, Jalen Wilson, person to person, has a lot of personality, but he also isn't a super emotional guy on the court. Mm-hmm. But I do still think there's there's money to be made for him in NIL playing at Kansas, uh, being a national title winner, being a starter on a national championship winning team. Yeah. I mean, he, he is marketable from the standpoint, like, he's big on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, oh, so I don't see this. On, apparently, he is, like, huge on TikTok. Yeah, there's money to be made there. I just realized that, yeah, you could actually just directly make money from TikTok if if that is the case. So that's pretty cool. So I, I do think that there is a lot that makes sense for him to come back. But like you said, it's hard to say, like, it's hard to get into the mind of, you look at all these athletes that are at this high of a level, that have made it here to this giant, you know, opportunity to even have the chance to make the NBA. You have all your life bet on yourself. And you yeah. have all your life, for the most part, gyms you walk into, you're the best basketball player there, right? In high school, you're the best basketball player. In uh, AAU games, you're one of the best basketball So far, down the list. It's hard not to, you know, have that same mindset. And, like, it, there's that fine line. There's the fine line between um, if I don't believe in myself, like, does that mean that I'm just being realistic? Mm-hmm. Or does it mean that I'm not gonna push myself hard enough right like it's a very fine line of an athlete so you never blame them for you know making that move if he does decide to go pro and say no you know what even if I'm undrafted I'm betting on myself but I just I when it's all said and done and and he gets all the feedback and he talks with the coaches I just can't help but think the direction they're going to steer him is not to come back is yeah you think you're saying like again that doesn't mean what he wants to, to do just to I'm sorry I'm I want to be clear on mm-hmm. what you mean. You think they would steer him to come back. Like right? the coaches and the scouts. Okay, yes, yeah, yes. I'm sorry. I, mm-hmm. I, I jumbled up your words there for a second in my mind, so I wanted to make sure we were – yeah, we're on the same page there. Um, and I, I really think he could – there's there's room for him. I mean, his athleticism uh, from a defensive standpoint, I've said all year, we've talked about how he looks and at times moves laterally like a dude who could play really good defense – but he kind of has um, just moments where he's he's not, uh, and again we're we're measuring the difference between a, a a really great college player versus an NBA level player. So we're measuring, you know, greatness versus another step up of greatness. So he's still obviously a fantastic basketball player, but when you know you, you kind of have to be. You know, when you're an NBA scout, an NBA team, you have the luxury, not just the luxury of being picky because you have all these great players to choose from. You have to be picky. You have to nitpick every potential problem that these guys have, and that's what they're going to do. Um, I hope, you know, as a Kansas fan, well, as a Kansas fan, I hope everybody comes back. But, um, you know, but look, man, if he goes out there and he goes undrafted and then in two years he, you know, goes nuts and 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 makes it and now and then he signs and cool great for him um i just think there there's more to be gained for him um and a lot you know he can he can improve on in his game christian brown i think everything about christian brown is sharpening at mm-hmm. what he already has jalen needs to show a a, a a fuller tool belt whereas i think christian brown just needs to 
sharpen the tools that are already in there. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. And, and I think, you know, you see all these guys in the NBA playoffs who are four or five year players, Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado and stuff, who um, did take their time in college and they were just, it, it worked out just fine for them. And now you have the added incentive of there is NIL where you can make money and stick around and, and do some stuff. But again, it's it's impossible to get into the mind of, of a 21 year old who is a uh, high level athlete. But certainly, I, I think. The direction he'll be given would be to come back, but I guess we'll wait and see. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Brian Haney joins the show at about 525 RCST Trivia at 4. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. About 20 till 4, we'll have more RCST trivia. Four matchups. We're going to finish the first round today. Uh, but right now, normally we do this on a Wednesday at 4 o'clock, but trivia has overtaken this segment, so we moved it to today on your Friday. Let's go around the world with Adam. All right. Uh, that's the wrong music. There we go. All right. I started this first. Uh, we're going to uh, Washington, D.C., capital of our fine union. Um, i starting this first because I it's not – I try to do – I like weird news, but I also try to keep it somewhat obscure. This kind of became big news. Did you hear why the U.S. Capitol was evacuated? Oh, I actually did hear this. Yeah. I, I don't want to spoil it. I know it's a uh, baseball Capitol related. was briefly yeah. evacuated Wednesday evening after police identified an a- aircraft that they said posed a probable threat. Uh, the U.S. Army Golden Knights were parachuting into Washington Nationals Park for a pregame demonstration. We've all been to a lot of these games where parachutes jump out. Sometimes it's a football game where they deliver the game ball via parachute, etc., etc. So a lot of people said... We're going to be uh, flying around uh, Washington, D.C., a place that um, pretty sensitive for strange uh, to strange aircraft flying around. Uh, and uh, they said, and nobody thought, we should probably let the Capitol Police know uh, because from the Capitol Police standpoint, they knew nothing. And they just, from their perspective, it was just a strange aircraft that just kept doing circles in the area for... A long period of Honestly, time. Honestly, are they lucky they didn't just get like shot down <laughs> or something? I, I believe I don't know this, but I believe there's there's a, a, a I don't a, a system in place where they give them opportunities to okay. I would hope so. you know <laughs> identify yourself. Blah blah blah. Um, but anyway, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi blamed the FAA in a statement Wednesday night, saying it's an apparent failure to notify Capitol Police. Of the pre-planned flyover, National Stadium is outrageous and inexcusable. The FAA did not respond to a request for comment. Um, so yeah, they're uh, they're actually going to look into this. It's going to take Congress no time. If I mean, it takes them, you know, years to get anything worthwhile done. But if there's something that that uh, if there's something that it, you know inconveniences them damn it they're gonna get right oh on yeah it. yeah no this will be a thing uh pretty soon yeah it's funny it'll, it'll be and it'll be the only thing they're united on we were inconvenienced all right a unanimous vote to condemn this do you They'll all agree on it i hmm 
I wonder if like like what gets picked up on the radar there. Like, do you think a, a giant bird could lead to them being evacuated? If it was really big, I doubt it. Mm. No, well, I don't even know if this was a matter of radar. I think they vi- they saw it visually too. Because yeah, I guess if there is like there have been times where I don't know if it picks up on flight radar, but like weather radar will pick up enormous migrations of certain species, like birds, sometimes butterflies, even because they're they're just there's such massive numbers of these creatures migrating all together in the same area. But I, I don't know if that would I don't know if, if like an airplane radar is less sensitive. I don't know. The point is they saw an airplane. They went, huh. You know, something about our history makes me kind of worried about an airplane just hovering <laughs> around up there. Maybe we should get people out of the Capitol. Um, so, anyway, buildings on the Capitol complex were reopened a little after 8 p.m. So, all, 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 uh, all as well that ends well. Except for the poor guy who's not working for the FAA much longer. <laughs> all right, next, we're going to move on to uh, the UPI. Uh, this out of Michigan, specifically Grand Valley State. University, um, a uh, it's a rare flower is blooming for the first time in seven years on the campus of this uh, university, uh, emitting its signature a signature foul odor. The foul odor uh, gives it a, uh, a, a nickname. Uh, this is not its, its official name, but its nickname uh, is is because of this foul odor. Odor. Can you guess what the uh, what the flower is called? Um. Well, first of all, I'd just like to point up around the world here in Lawrence, Kansas, there's like a 12-year-old kid who is carrying an entire tree branch that is probably 10 feet long outside our window. So that's a cool little story here. Nonetheless, uh, that has distracted me, and I could not think of a fragrance name. What is what is the correct fragrance name? <laughs> Guy hasn't gone by my window yet. No. I can't see him. Um, the corpse flower. Mm-hmm. He's behind you now. The corpse flower. That... Doesn't What's sound fun. What's planning on doing with that? That's what I'm wondering. You think he has like it seven like dogs? It looks like staff. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so distracting. Um, <laughs> man, yeah, that thing was taller than him. Uh, go, little guy. Anyway, um, the corpse flower smells like uh, dead bodies, rotting flesh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a fruit out of, I believe, Thailand called the durian fruit. That, that oh, that thing's people, disgusting, so dude. People, I've never tried it. I haven't either. They'll make but, like, cookies and candy out of it, but allegedly it oh, no. it tastes like rotting flesh okay. as well. Do you ever watch like the Travel Channel or the Food Network? And uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. Um, the, the, Andrew Zimmer? Yeah, Bizarre Foods with yeah, Andrew Bizarre Zimmer. Foods. He would go around, and that dude that dude tries everything. Yeah, that dude tries boiled, everything, Boiled right? spiders, exactly. everything. Everywhere he would go that like had that durian fruit. Scorpion. He's like, great. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere that he would go that had the durian. That was his one weakness. That was the one thing he could. If that really? dude can't eat it, yeah, if that dude thinks can. it's disgusting, no man, no way, man. I do no know. Way. I actually, randomly, I was fascinated by this. I first learned about the corpse flower in seventh grade, and I was I was fascinated by such a concept because I thought it was such a, a brilliant act of nature. The, the, the evolutionary benefit of this thing is, um, is one in part some of these corpse flowers are carnivorous plants like Venus fly they're not they don't look like Venus fly traps but the same concept but then also they're able to get their pollen spread around by bugs because insects flies and whatnot are uh, attracted to the smell of, of rotting meat mm-hmm. um, so the, the the smell of this flower uh, the the um, the point of it is um, while it's blooming um, the smell is frequently compared to that of rotting flesh. Um, 
real quick. The uh, the endangered flowers can take up to 10 years to grow large enough for their first bloom and often take even longer periods in between blooms. So they really just go back for an, in hiding for a while. They go, all right, smell me. All right, I'm going away again. Um, officials said the current bloom is the first since the flower was brought to Grand Valley State seven years ago. So good for you, little guy. Get going. Stink up the joint. Um, all right. You got married, Derek. Yes, I did. That happened to you once. Yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully just once. Yeah, exactly. Um, a Florida bride and caterer are going to, they're going to the joint, Derek. They arrested him. On you said sh- a caterer? Caterer. Yeah. Okay. The husband apparently off scot-free. I don't know. Anyway, um... They're uh, they're in the clink now because uh, they served. What was wrong with the food at the wedding? Well, if it caused them to go to jail, this either means that the which why would you even be getting married here? That the wife tried to poison the prospective husband. Maybe it's a, it's a you know marrying into money situation. Nope, and they got caught, so it's not that. Um, did they? Okay, so I'm guessing they just messed up an order and the wife. Uh, got into a fight with her and they both went to jail for fighting or something. Serving food containing cannabis to unsuspecting guests at a February wedding, oh. according to officials. Which, by the way, we just learned a few minutes ago, uh, Whit Merrifield is batting designated hitter for the Royals tonight, so I, it's possible Mike Matheny ate some of this food. I don't know. Um, the bride, 42, and caterer, 31, were arrested this week on charges of violations of anti-tampering law and delivery of cannabis, according to the Seminole County Sheriff's Department and court records. County firefighters and deputies responded to the February... Oh, this is old. I didn't realize that. Uh, to the February 19th event at a clubhouse in Longwood, Florida, after guests reported getting sick or feeling strange, or just, you know, uh. really wanting more food. <laughs> according to law enforcement like, affidavit, like, just, why is this a big... just? Put on dazed and confused and have a good time, man. <laughs> I on, get if nobody wants to put like, on a disco If you don't want to dance, you just want to yeah. veg. Put on a movie, man. <laughs> Some people felt so ill their week that they went to the hospital where they tested positive for THC, the psychedelic compound in marijuana. Guests reported feeling heavily drugged and said they had not been warned, according to a, de- a detective's affidavit. Affidavit, sorry. Uh, one guest said that he had trouble operating a cell phone. Yep, I can see that. And another thought she might die. Yep, that happens too. <laughs> uh, the sheriff's detective wrote, One guest the next day told an investigator that on the day of the wedding, she felt stoned and asked the bride whether cannabis was in the food. And the bride said yes and smiled <laughs> according to the affidavit. So it appears oh she was God. trying to just, I guess, surprise everybody. Like in... Um, in um, not the wedding singer in the Hangover, where the guy's like, yeah. By the way, I, I put ecstasy in our shots last yeah. night. Yeah, I didn't want to tell you. I just wanted everybody to have a good time. Um, so apparently, allegedly, uh, I don't. Um, she is it, her and the caterer. I guess are are it is charged that they uh, I guess conspired to lace the food with pot and. Um, and I've been. I, I'll tell. I'll say this: the paranoia on pot is is a, a real thing. Now, for the purpose of this, I'll just say you know, whatever. It, it, I was somewhere where it was legal, just to get. I don't know. Um, I, nobody cares. But anyway, the paranoia is a real thing. Like it could. You really like it, the only real cure I found for paranoia is you just have to like think of it in terms of time, and you're like, all right. No way this lasts for five hours. That's 10 episodes of Family Guy. (laughs) 
fire it up and count them down, and that's the only way to really calm yourself. So the paranoia is real. As far as the other people that are just smiling and giggling, like, hey, man, good time. I, I just think it's funny that... All um, I got out of going being in your wedding was a... I got a, Well, it was a delicious glass of scotch, a couple glasses mm-hmm. of scotch that day. Um, but we didn't get, you know, we didn't get burned. No, I... I uh, uh, what I think is funny there is that to your point of what you said earlier, where like, you know, the guy's eating the food and then he's he's getting baked and then he's like, oh, I need more food. And then they just, Dude, it's just a constant ending cycle. At this, at what this if this wedding? is actually just a ploy by the catering service? Sell more food? Exactly. Yeah, like the first helping is doped up. Mm-hmm. But then everything after that is not, right? The first no, helping. I think it is. So it just keeps so this keep constant going? cycle. That could be. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, you know, but hey, I, I hope, you know, I hope, I hope, I, I, I want to know what's going on with the husband. Like, <laughs> yeah. I had nothing to do with like it. Take goes, her to jail, like officer. Go, like he goes and sees, you know, like a, like somebody, you know, he has it like a friend who wasn't invited, like an old friend from high school mm-hmm. that you haven't talked to. So you didn't invite him to the wedding, but like your friend's on Facebook and you happen to run into him. He's like, oh, hey, man, I saw you got married the other day. How's all that going? Well, she's in the joint already. <laughs> My no, God, what if he, rat- what if he narked on her? What if he ratted her out? He's like, how Maybe dare she's you? the one with money. How dare you do that to Aunt Lizzie? You know? She's a 95-pound <laughs> grandmother <laughs> eating, <laughs> just horsing down a bunch of pot-laced food. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We're moving on now. Uh, liquor giant Bacardi said Tuesday that American Airlines hasn't paid the tab for hundreds of cases of cognac that vanished from a flight between Paris and Los Angeles last year, according to a lawsuit filed Tuesday in federal court. A lawyer for Florida-based Bacardi USA demanded that the airline pay. Guess how much Bacardi... Well, just guess the dollar value of Bacardi that went missing. So, I don't know. $4 million. Uh, not quite. 65000 okay. <laughs> You're thinking like meth and cocaine. I know. I don't know. Liquor's, liquor's legal, so right. it's a little less... <laughs> The convenience fee is lower with booze because mm-hmm. you don't have to get in a submarine from Columbia to distribute it. Um, demanded the airline pay $65,820 that he said the bottles are worth, according to documents, to 24 pallets containing 1,680 cases of cognac uh, were loaded into the September 20th flight, the suit says, but more than six pallets or 420 cases didn't make it. What do you think happened? It isn't clear whether liquor was stolen or lost. So it's clear to me. Uh, but the American Airlines has paid no part of the bill, even though it has been duly demanded, the suit states. It isn't clear what kind of cognac was on the flight or how many bottles were in each case. The lawyer for the company did not immediately respond to a request for comment. American Airlines also did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Bacardi which claims to be the largest private-held spirits company in the world and owns dozens of liquor brands, began selling the brandy from Cognac, France, in the United States a decade ago. So you're flying from Paris to the Los Angeles, and somebody either stole or drank gobs of Cognac. I think somebody stole it. I think that's probably the most likely. Um but, like, could you imagine if, like, the entire airport staff that day was like, holy cow, look at this. And they oh, just yeah. all blasted. Have you ever been on a lot? Like, they try to really booze you up on those international flights to keep you. No, I'm going to, on to, one in uh, a couple months. 
Yeah, you're going to Germany, right? Yeah. Some of those, if you get on those longer ones, like down to New Zealand, to take 37 days to get there, they really they hit you with the booze and the food and the movies pretty hard to keep you distracted from the fact that you're in a metal tube for you know half your life. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go with stolen. I'm gonna say that somebody who was working doing the whatever loading part of the plane. Yeah. These guys don't pay me enough. Right. Although it was in France. Yeah, it's my last day. It was it was in right. France, which means that or one, of that's what you said. One, au revoir. One guy said, "I stole all this cognac," and the other guy was French, and so he said, "I do not care." Yeah. But let us drink them nonetheless. A yeah. To Louis. <laughs> right. You know, however they talk. I don't think French people are going to listen to our show anymore, Derek. No, we've ruined that. Way to go. Way to go. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's around the world. So Corpse Flower, uh, Nationals Parachute Show, Disrupting the U.S. Capitol, uh, pot laced Food at a Wedding, and somebody jacking 65 grand worth of cognac. And I hope they had a good time with it. And a child carrying a whole tree. A yeah, big his old back tree. Right here in Lawrence. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. RCST Trivia next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. The final day of the first round of RCST Trivia, and then we're going to get on to the second round next week. Once again, RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Hawaiian Bros, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChuck.io, and Jayhawk Trophy, our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery. And everybody who wins their first round matchup, getting a $25 gift card from 23rd Street Brewery. Every round you advance, you get another $25 gift card to the brewery from the Bill Self Mac and Cheese to a Crimson Fog or Wave the Wheat to wash it down. And an RCST trivia t shirt, Ryan Schlesner is uh, the high seed here, the two seed. He has gone five and two. In previous trivia matchups, 16 and 3 on questions. Made the grade 8 last year, and he's actually rocking some RCST trivia apparel. He got a RCST hat from last year, so we appreciate you rocking that. We had somebody yesterday rocking a RCST t shirt on the show. Uh, Ryan Kamenzen is his opponent, the 15 seed. So, Battle of the Ryans. Have you guys agreed off air? Will, will the loser of this matchup have to change their name? Well, they both have two last names that nobody can say anyway, so I think we're good on that. <laughs> yeah, so what, is Kamenzen, Schleisner? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Schleisner, please. Yep. Yeah, just just like Slay a Dragon, Schleisner. You nailed mine as well. All right, cool. Uh, that's that's always a good one. I've I've messed up Chris Yurchek's name for years now, but uh, I think I said it right that go-around. So the 15-2 matchup here, uh, Ryan C., I guess how I'll refer to you yep. here, uh, you've lost in the first round the last two years. Have you done anything different to try to change up the mojo this year? I uh, tried to do a little bit of prep, but the truth is, you know, the prep doesn't do much when you're really on the timer, so you really just got to let it fly. Yeah, well, uh, Ryan S., obviously you have gone on deep runs in trivia. Ha have you done anything differently to try to take it to the next level, or are you just hoping that, you know, if we get a repeat of, of a long run, that maybe this is the time that I can break through? You know, like a lot of people have said so far this year, uh, kids have really cut into my study time. My, my baby went from not moving to being a toddler and running all over the place and taking a lot more of my energy. 
And I also started a new business in the last year. So between those two things, I didn't really start looking into this until last week when the first round started. So hopefully I've done enough over the last week to, to get ready for today. All right, well, we're going to hit the music here. Ryan C., you are the lower seed, so you get the choice. Would you rather go first or go second? Uh, I'll go second. All right, that means, Ryan S., you are up first into our really easy category of questions. Known as Wilt the Stilt and the Big Dipper, this former legendary center played at Kansas in the 1950s. Wilt Chamberlain. That's right, Wilt Chamberlain. I wonder... Did people start calling him Wilt the Stilt, the Big Dipper? That had to have been something when he was in the pros, not at KU, but either way. Okay, uh, to you, Ryan C. As the key member of Danny and the Miracles, this KU big man is the all-time leader for the Jayhawks in total points scored. That would be Danny Manning. Right, Danny Manning. Both of those, you get the first name, so I'd hope you guys get it right, and that is the point of the really easy. Okay, on to the easy round of questionings. Back to you, Ryan S., what freshman wing led Kansas with 17.1 points per game in the 2013-2014 season? Andrew Wiggins. That's right, Andrew Wiggins. It's funny looking back because, uh, you know, I don't know. There's kind of a stigma around Wiggins that it was a little disappointing. Average 17 points per game. Like, that's a lot, especially for a freshman. Okay, uh, Ryan C., on to you. What freshman led Kansas with 8.1 rebounds per game in that 2013-2014 season, but missed the NCAA tournament. Joel Embiid. That's right, Joel Embiid. Just hit a big game winner for the uh, 76ers. I think I saw a stat. I mean, talk about the progression of, of him. He, he was growing each and every game, but I think 25 of 52 or something like that on 25-plus foot threes in the NBA this year. Um, pretty crazy stuff. Okay, on to the medium round of questions. This for you, Ryan S. In 1994... Kansas won 69 to 58 in the NCAA tournament over Tim Duncan and what five seed? Wake Forest. That's right. Wake Forest. It was a 4 5 matchup. Kansas won and then I believe went on to lose the next round. Okay, back to you, Ryan C. In the 1960 NCAA tournament, Kansas lost in the second round 82 to 71. To what team led by the famous Oscar Robertson, who scored 43 points? Cincinnati. That's right. One of the uh, highest totals ever scored against KU. And uh, we got a good one here. All right, we're going to get to the hard round of questions as we pick up the intensity, pick up the music here. First round continuing on here of RCST Trivia. Back to you, Ryan S., what KU player from 2002 set the school record for rebounds in a Big 12 tournament game with 21 of them against Texas Tech? Two thousand. So this is 2001, 2002 season. That right? is correct, and it was the 02 Big 12 tournament. Okay. I think this is – I want to say this is a trick question because – because Drew Gooden obviously was the player that year, but I think Nick Collison set the record in that tournament. If I remember looking right at the stats yesterday, so I'm going to go with Nick Collison. I think you, you tricked your own mind out. It was Drew Gooden. Drew Gooden was the correct answer there with 21 rebounds in that game against Texas Tech. All right, Ryan C., you have a chance for the upset for your first first-round win. I mean, we've had a lot of uh, – I mean, all our 215 matchups have been phenomenal so far. This one – 
goes right up in that category. We had a 15 seed win yesterday. Can you join them as a possible St. Peter's, Oral Roberts, Florida Gulf Coast of this tournament? Ryan C., in their 61-58 to Sweet 16 win in 2007 against Southern Illinois, only one Kansas player had double-digit points, barely doing so with 12. Who accomplished that feat to lead KU in scoring in that Sweet 16 game? What season? The 2006-2007 season, and it was the 2007 Sweet 16. I'm going to say Darrell Arthur. Correct answer is Brandon Rush. Brandon Rush. I overthought it. 12 points. I think both of you guys kind of tricked yourself. You're like, wait, this this is too obvious. Too obvious. All right. That's all right. We're going to stick around in the hard category. Back to you, Ryan S. Second life. In their 2006 first-round loss to Bradley, what KU player led the Jayhawks with 18 points, 7 assists, and 5 steals? Another one I don't want to overthink on, but the first name comes to mind. I think I remember looking through the looking through my research and being surprised by this stat. And I think it was Russell Robinson. That is correct. Good poll there. Russell Robinson was the correct answer. I believe that was his sophomore season. Big time game. You don't think of Russ Rob being a, a scorer, but 18, you know? It's kind of funny. I was watching just last night, I was watching um the Davidson Elite Eight game, and that was, he was kind of the uh, – Russ Robb was usually pretty reliable. The Davidson game was like his one game of maybe his whole career that he wasn't at least steady. Uh, he was steady in that one, just couldn't Very get the win. Very steady against Bradley, but Bradley couldn't freaking miss that night. Well, Ryan C., back to you. Chance to stay alive. Four of the five KU starters scored in double figures in KU's Final Four victory over Ohio State – in 2012, so the 11-12 season, 2012 tournament. Who is the only starter in single digits? What season? 2011-12 and the 2012 Final Four. I am going to say Elijah Johnson. Elijah had a really good tournament, and he ended up in double figures there. The correct answer was the defensive center, Jeff Withy, ended up in ah. single digits that game. So it ends there, and uh, Ryan C., I, I know you still didn't get that first-round win, but you know this, this is a future play because um, I, I think that by performing well here, you can earn yourself a higher seed next year if we get you back, and then that maybe sets you up that you're not playing someone who was in the grade eight last year, and maybe then you can get your first-round win. So I know it hasn't come yet, but it, it you're getting there. You're getting there. This was progress this year. Uh, yeah, I walk out with my head held high this time. Absolutely. You have to. Uh, Ryan S., after you missed that, that first question in the hard round with Drew Gooden, did you think you were done? Yeah, I was uh, already getting ready to walk down the. I'm on vacation here, and I left my family on the beach to come up here. I was getting ready to walk down the beach and walk with Shane back to my wife and tell her I left just to lose. So, <laughs> tough matchup. Well, thanks for uh, taking some time out of your vacation. Go enjoy, uh, I don't know, my tie or whatever. I, I don't know where you are, but uh, have a good time. Thank you guys both for joining Trivia. We hope we get you both back next year. And, uh, Ryan, see you next week. Absolutely. Congrats, Ryan. Thanks. Good job. I just realized I was like, thanks, Ryan, as if that's indicative of anything. And the other guy was like, good luck, Ryan. 
Oh, I just thought you just were all confusing. A, I thought you were making a joke. No, I just, you should have just yeah. run with it, man. Yeah, I was making a joke. They both have the same name. Ah, funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that uh, I don't remember Drew Gooden having a, an electric rebound game. Uh, but what I remember about that game, and I referenced it a lot to em- emphasize how good of a defensive coach Kelvin Sampson is, because that KU team was ridiculous. They're ninety-one points a game, just it, which is obscene for a college basketball team. Um. But I remember that that game against Texas Tech. What was it? Can I try to guess the score? Would that give away a future answer? Um, I don't have it. No, I don't have any like scores. I think it was on like there, ni- so can... I think it was like ninety to fifty five or ninety five to fifty. I think ninety to fifty five sounds. But they were just like cooking, and you were just like, my God, this team scores like an NBA team because they really were. If you go by points per minute, they were up there because they only they were scoring ninety one points a game in forty minute games. Um, but I didn't realize that Drew Gooden was was really cooking on the on the rebounds that game. It's funny because if you go to like Ken Palm, Kansas had the fifth best offense that year. But well, he's Roy Williams' philosophy on offense has always been so possession oriented, right? But like for instance, um, you know the 2017 team ranks lower on Ken Palm than the 2016 team, which maybe that means the 16 team is better. I don't know, but I I know who I'm picking in a seven game series. I'm picking the 17 team because I like the, the player talent better. So you know, it, take it for what it's worth. But that to me probably, if you were just ranking the best offenses of KU history, that has to be at least in the conversation uh, near the very top. I don't top know there. how it's even a conversation. I mean, the 91 points a game. I know, but like I'm saying, like if you go by efficiency, like the 08 team was better. If you go by efficiency, the 17 team I was guess, better. I you guess, know what I mean? yeah, maybe you could argue that if you look at what a very similar, I don't think they were quite up to the same points per game, but a very similar situation with that 08 North Carolina team, also coached by Roy Williams, the 08 Kansas team must have said, all right, you want to run? Great, cool, we'll run with you. Mm-hmm. And, and it worked out very well for them. So that's a good point. Yeah, but certainly they uh, are in the conversation and, and in the, I don't know, top three, top five, whatever. The Ryans. That was Ryan's, a fun one. It was it was good. I think um, all our two fifteen matchups, man. Yeah, I think uh, Ryan. Um, I want to get that right. Ryan C. I think uh, he's kind of coming on as like a. Uh, it's like when a coach takes over a, a mid major and they like, all right, year one, they finish like third in their conference, and year two, they finally break through and make the tournament. Then year three, they actually put a scare into the team that they're playing. And you're like, okay, this program's kind of rising a little bit in the Big South, and you know they may scare they may they may scare a, a three seed next year in the tournament. Yeah, that's right. Get better every year, and uh, that's all you can ask. And good job by Ryan. See Ryan S. Moving on once again. So uh, looking to make his third straight sizzling sixteen. Get back to the grade eight where he was last year. Um, again, winners of our first round matchup, including Ryan Schlesner getting a twenty five dollar gift card to twenty third Chipuri, an RCST trivia T shirt. He'll take on Tucker Stover in the second round. We've got our second trivia matchup of the day coming up next between an eight seed, Doug Crumpton Murray, and the nine seed, Lane Stadenberry, out of the West. That on the other side. This is RCST Trivia. Second trivia matchup of the day as we finish out the first round here on Rock Shock Sports Talk, and we have an 8-9 matchup. Always sets up for a good one, although one of our 8-9s was a uh, quick out, and then I think the other two were pretty good. The winner of this is going to get the one seed out of the West region, Andrew Wymore, uh, but Focus on this matchup real quick here. The eight seed is Doug Crumpton Murray. The nine seed is Lane Stanberry out of the West. Um, Lane, 
you, uh, as the nine seed here, got to appear in this thing last year, and you lost in the first round, but you went three and one on trivia questions, so you made it into the hard round. Have you done anything differently in preparation for this go-around? Oh, yeah. I've, uh, I've studied much harder this time around. I've prepared a lot more, used a lot more resources to my advantage. Uh, I've listened and uh, to all the previous podcasts this year, um, documented questions, you know. Uh, last year, we had a... Uh, there was a question I was between two answers. The one I got out, I was between two answers and one of them was right. I, I just gave a 50, 50 coin flip odd. Um, one of them was right. Uh, and, and I just missed it. Um, but I, I looking from at Doug's Twitter, I know I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to answer a couple questions correctly. So really excited. Uh, so you've been scouting the opponent there uh, via Twitter. I love that. <laughs> Doug, um, this is your first appearance in trivia. And, and by the way, I, I wish this was a visual then, obviously on radio, but um, Doug is wearing the most dapper, awesome-looking KU um, like jacket. It, yeah, it's like a blazer jacket, and it's got like Jayhawks all over it and stuff. Um, and Doug's out of California, so you're a big KU fan. So, so what are your ties to uh, being a KU fan? Um, let me give a shout out to my mom, who in in an ocean of great Kansas fans is the number one Jayhawk fan. My mom has seen the team off with brownies for every road trip <laughs> for the last 40 plus years. So she's been through every since since uh, 75. She knows everybody. So that's some dedication right there. And just in all sincerity, you've done a great job. It's been so much fun listening this week. I'm being serious. I want I want to do my best. Win or lose, we're still national champions. Yes, you know, we like are. it's it's a great feeling. I'm uh, <laughs> just having a lot of fun riding this wave. So um, let's go. Let's just have fun. I love it. Well, may, we need to get your mom in this yeah, trivia that's tournament. Fantastic. Give her a well, one. She's got all the stories. Let me tell you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna go ahead and cue the music here as we get ready for our first question. Lane, you are the lower seed. So would you rather go first or go second? I will go second. All right, Lane's going to go second. Doug, that means you are up first into the really easy category of questions. When KU makes a Final Four or wins a national title, what state-named street in Lawrence do they storm? That would be Massachusetts Street. That's right. Good old Mass Street. A lot of time down there this year for a lot of KU fans. All right, this one for you, Lane. Allen Fieldhouse is located on this street named after their first head coach. Naismith. All right, Naismith. I don't know, is it Drive? Boulevard. Drive. Boulevard? All right. I think maybe it's Drive. Well, regardless, uh, you got it I right. Just, Naismith is all I needed. Good job. I got it wrong. No. <laughs> um, all right. On to the easy round of questions. This back to you, Doug. What Jayhawk senior guard added 14 points off the bench in the national title game for KU? Uh, that would be Remy Martin. That's right. Remy Martin with 14 big ones off the bench. I think 11 of them came in the second half. He banked in a three in the first half, and then he was nails down the stretch for KU. Okay, back to you, Lane. This KU starting point guard tied for the team lead with three assists and also led KU with three steals in the national title game. That's right. Wando... And uh, he should be back to be a starter this next year. I'm excited because they could hypothetically get three more years of him as a starting point guard, which you don't really get from returning national title point guards, but that could be the case with Dewan. We'll wait and see. Okay, on to the medium round for Doug. 
What jersey number did Jeff Withy wear at Kansas? He wore number five. That's right. Big number five. Essentially, the amount of blocks per game he would get. I think he was closer to four, but we'll round up. Okay, uh, on to you, Lane. What jersey number did Cole Aldridge wear at Kansas? He's one of my favorite players of all time. 45. That worked out for you. Right up your alley, then. Same number as the GOAT, Michael Jordan, 45. So we switch up the mood, change up the music, and get a little more intense in here. For you, Doug, in 2001, Kansas defeated their five seed 87-58 to in the second round, but would later lose to that same school in the 2003 NCAA tournament. Who was that against? I'm sorry, one more time, please. In 2001, Kansas defeated their five seed 87-58 to in the second round, but would later lose to that same school in the 2003 tournament. Who was that against? We lost to them in the 2003 tournament. Correct. Ten seconds. Syracuse. All right, Syracuse is the answer. KU beat them in 01. Wish you could uh, switch those two. Okay, this one for you, Lane. In 2002, Kansas allowed 97 points in an NCAA tournament game, the most they've ever allowed in an NCAA tournament game. It came in the final four against who? Maryland. Yep, Maryland, the answer there. I guess that's the flip side when you run as much as that team did. You play a team that gets hot and has good NBA talent. Derek, we started this conversation or this 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 uh, set about talking about winning the national title, and you bring up those. Two I know, right? Really raining on their parade. It makes it easier to talk about when you just won <laughs> the title, though, right? Point. All right, under the really hard round of questionings, this has been a fun first round matchup here. Back to you, Doug. With thirty-two of them in his career, what is the name of this KU player from nineteen seventy-five to nineteen seventy-eight? that holds the school record for most disqualifications. That would be Koenigs. Wow, nailed it. We had yesterday somebody yeah. nailed the most disqualifications in a season. That yeah, was Vernon, Vernon Vinoy. I almost thought that you said you'd been listening back, it, that you were going to guess Vernon Vinoy for that same reason. It was Ken Kennigs, or however you pronounce it. I, I think it'd be I K- I'd go Kennigs. I don't know for sure. I, Doug probably spelling, knows I'd it better K-Nigs. than us, let's be yeah, honest. Okay, this one for you, Lane, to stay alive. Second on the all-time list with 26 disqualifications was one of Kennigs' teammates who played at Kansas from 1976 to 1979 and is an RCST folk hero. What's his name? Paul McKeskey. That's right. <laughs> Holy oh, cow. Just Paul haymaker after haymaker McKeskey. in this one. Woo! Best first-round matchup. Best first-round matchup. I'm sorry to all the other ones, but this has now superseded that. We haven't had both people get the really hard one right. So we're going to stay in the really hard. Back to you, Doug. KU's largest margin of victory in school history saw them defeat what team? 115 to 45 back on January 3rd of 1989. Brown. Holy cow. How did you know that? Uh, I've been studying. Okay. 
Okay, that was uh, absolutely incredible. This this is this is phenomenal. Lane, to keep this unbelievable matchup going, KU's biggest loss in school history was a forty point defeat by the final score of forty eight to eight against who back on March second of nineteen hundred. The Nebraska Cornhuskers. Okay. <laughs> what right. is happening? All right. <laughs> uh, these guys I have been it. studying. There's no way around it. They've been studying. This is the dedication it takes to win in trivia. I love this. I hate that this is happening in the first round. I know, but both you the guys one deserve. has got to be shivering in his boots I know, right I know. Now. Both you guys deserve to. I'm, I'm Kansas right now. <laughs> All right, back to <laughs> He's you. He's Kansas right now. He gets the ridiculous matchup of death. Yeah. All right, back to you, Doug. Kansas lost to Texas by 25 at home in the 2020-21 season. But prior to that loss, on February 1st of 1989, Kansas suffered its previous worst loss at Allen Fieldhouse in school history. To who? Ten seconds. Missouri. <laughs> okay, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> I can't stump these guys. It's impossible. All right, Lane. Back to you. The KU Oklahoma game from 2016 was actually the third all-time triple overtime game that KU has been in. The time before of a triple overtime game came on February 4th. 1981 against who? Oh, man. February 4th, 1981. Triple overtime. Conference opponent. Big eight. Ten seconds. We're going to go with Kansas State. You had the state, it was Oklahoma State, and that was a really good process you did there um, with, you know, going through. You realize there's conference opponent February, Big 18 is is Oklahoma State the answer. And I just, I feel horrible about, was, I feel horrible about either one Lane, of you guys losing. I'm going to tell you right I now. Knew I knew all I don't, of questions. Lane, Lane, Lane you're questions. awesome. Lane, I, I don't care if, if I knew Derek, I, or I don't care if Derek gets, gets mad at me for this. <laughs> Lane, you're getting a shirt. Yeah, no, Lane... Lane, I actually think we have some extra gift Thank cards you. lying around. I'll, Let, I'll tell you this. We're, um, we're fixing you something with, up with yeah, something. Yeah, so, so congrats to, to Doug. You're, you're getting your $25 gift card to, to, RCA, yes, or to uh, 23rd job. Street Brewery, RCST Trivia T-shirt, and uh, you're still live in, in trivia. Lane, th- like we said, phenomenal performance. We're still going to hook you up with a shirt and a gift card um, because you deserve better than this. This is an unfortunate, <laughs> incredible. This was an unfortunate first round pairing for you. So I really do hope we get you back next year because I, I think it's safe to say you'll get a top four seed if you're back next year. And uh, Doug, unbelievable first trivia performance. Lane, Lane, that was awesome. I don't know if this makes you feel better or not. This is just my day. I was at that game, the triple overtime game at Oklahoma State. Tony wow. guy hit a Tony guy hit a forty five footer at the buzzer. To, to put it to overtime in old Gallagher. And, it, and I was one of like eight Jayhawk fans. That was, it was unbelievable. 
Best game I've ever seen, even though we lost. Elaine, all you can do is keep your head up high. Um, but seriously, thank you for joining. Thank you for being a good sport about this. I know it's not always fair, but like I said, we get you back next year. You're getting a very, very high seed for this performance. Thank you. Yeah, credit to Doug. Um, I, I mean, I knew all of his questions. Like, I would have answered those right. But, uh, you know, I'm happy with how I did. I, be I believe that's the most um, anyone's answered correctly so far, um, other than Doug. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in that game, 81, I, I was born in 97. So it was 16 years before my birth, my birth <laughs> year. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with how I did. Uh, I'm happy that you guys are hooking me up. And Doug is going to be a tough out. And I knew when I saw his Twitter, I was like, this guy is going to be tough to beat. Yes, he is. Well, great matchup, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, Doug, looking forward to seeing you in the next week uh, for the great. second round of trivia. Thanks a lot, guys. Wow. What an unbelievable matchup. That was amazing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, dude. That might have been our greatest matchup ever. Like, we've had longer matchups, but not where everybody just gets everything right the whole one, way. I don't know. Two, three, four. Yeah, they five, got uh, five, five total. Between the two of them, five questions correct in the really hard category. Um, and the only the the only the loss came on a on a wrong question in the really really hard category. They went yeah it took just Joe going seven and zero oh. just on the really hard category. It was three to one or uh no four uh no three to two. Sorry, I can't count. Just in the hard categories, three to two. That's crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and I, I think it's, it's pretty apparent. Doug got an eight seed. This is his first time in trivia. Um, he, he's he got to be one of the top five. Like, whoever wins that, because Andrew Wymore is really good, too. Whoever wins that matchup, I'm picking to the Phenomenal Four. I just am. That's crazy. I mean. And Doug, honestly, might be, like, it's, for me, like, when I look at, I don't know, I don't want to name everyone, but, like, he is clearly top five in terms of what I view, like, power ranking. I haven't. Right? This is my first year. I've participated in trivia before. This is my first trivia working. I just can't like we. It's a big deal. People got to understand. It's a big deal when somebody gets a really hard question right. Like think back. Anybody who listened yesterday or, or listened to the podcast, we heard how big of a deal it was. That we talked about. Wow, you got Vernon Vinoy right, <laughs> and they just they just cut right through the really hard category like a hot knife Dude. through butter unbelievable fantastic performance and uh you know you mentioned this yesterday sometimes you look at the bracket and go man could this be similar to well doug is the eight seed in the lower left region we know what the eight seed in the yep. lower left region did in the ncaa tournament this year so uh a new star is born for rcst trivia fantastic effort by lane doug though just unbelievable performance all right he's adam dravet i'm Derek johnson we've got our third of four matchups coming up next in rcst trivia between zach mckellops and ryan brown that on the other side would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Third trivia matchup of the day features our three seed out of the West region, Zach McKellops, and our 14 seed, Ryan Brown. As uh, Zach in this thing for the second time won two trivia matchups in his first go around, went eight and two on questions, making it to the sizzling sixteen. So, what did you learn, Zach, from uh, your first appearance in trivia, and have you done anything differently here this year? Uh, I, I learned that I buckle under pressure. Number one, 
And what I've done differently this year, I I hate to say this, I have not studied at all. I've just basked in the championship <laughs> instead of studying. Okay, we'll see how that pays off for you. Uh, Ryan, this is your first appearance in trivia. What is your level of KU fandom, and, and how have you gotten prepared for this? As I was listening to the other matchups, I realized I'm maybe bitten off more than I can chew. So um, uh, I'm pretty bad with years. So 14 seeds sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Well, I love the honesty. I love the uh, self-reflection, but you never know. Just takes one question. All right. Um, so we're going to go ahead and hit the music here as we get ready to get going. Ryan, you're the lower seed, so you have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I will go second. All right, Ryan's going to go second. That means, Zach, you are up first into the really easy column of categories. In the 2014 NCAA tournament, Kansas missed this star freshman center and now Philadelphia 76er due to injury. Game-winning shot maker, Joel Embiid. That's right. I think it's our second Joel Embiid question today. Kind of similar there, but there's the pick there. All right, Ryan, for you. Name a player who started at center for KU this past season. Dave McCormick. Yep, Big Dave. Mitch Lightfoot started the Oklahoma State game. I can't remember who started the Tech game. KJ Adams started the home Tech game, though. That was kind of the, the hidden answer, but any of those three would have worked. Okay, on to the easy round of questions. Back to you, Zach. Kansas made the Elite Eight in 2016. What power forward led the team with 16.9 points per game? I'm go out in the easy round. Uh, Diedrich Lawson. Well, Diedrich Lawson was <laughs> Diedrich Lawson was 2019. Nor did he make the Elite Eight. 2016 yeah, Elite yeah, Eight yeah. was uh, Perry Ellis. Perry Ellis led KU in points per game at 16.9. Okay, chance for you, Ryan, for a quick victory. The next season, in 2017, Kansas had a freshman forward finish second on the team in points per game and rebounds per game. Name him. Um, Josh Jackson. That's right, Josh Jackson, the freshman phenom for KU. And uh, Zach, what happened there, man? Man, I... <laughs> I, I, my brain's just not working. I got a billion different things going on. And uh, yeah, you know what? Credit where credit's due. It's all the pressure that Ryan put on. Well, we know we know you're you're better than the performance you put in today based on your performance last year. But uh, Ryan, you were worried about, you know, knowing the years, but you knew the year there. You knew 2017 with Josh Jackson. Yeah, um, it's really the um, early self period that I get them all mixed up. The 04 to 08. Yeah, those can uh, definitely run together. Well, uh, guys, thanks for the the quick trivia matchup. We just had a marathon one, the, the <laughs> one before, so might actually work out for us okay with the timing. But, uh, Zach, we hope we get you back next year. And, uh, Ryan, congrats. You're moving on. 1-0 in RCSD trivia. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks guys. Good luck, Ryan. Quick one there. Yeah, that was uh, as soon as he didn't answer. I mean, anytime a a, a, a participant doesn't just immediately answer an easy or very like, easy uh -oh. i'm like oh no it's like when a you know a one seed's down like fourth a half to the 16 and it's like is this the one yeah yeah, you know? yeah i i mean i gotta say it's like i mean you gave um i don't know you gave the year you gave the position i and look he uh 
you know, Zach had a good sense of humor about it. I, you know, yeah. he, 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 he did it, you know, he was, ha- you know, he, he, um, and he even said he's, he's kind of really just riding the wave of the national championship, which I can't say that I blame him. No, not at um, all. Um, so yeah, but Hey, um, I, and I get it. Perry Ellis played any time from 1950 to 2016. <laughs> so it's easy to forget. Right. All right, well, uh, that's our third matchup of the day. Our fourth and final one of today and the first round features another 314. Justin Nichols versus Drew Lenhart. That on the other side. This is our CST Trivia. Fourth and final matchup today for our CST Trivia and our final first round matchup. Second round matchup will be set. Um, We'll have our second round schedule out later today, hopefully, and uh, we can get that to everyone who's moving on to the second round. Everybody who moves on to the second round is getting a $25 gift card from 23rd Street Brewery and an RCST Trivia t-shirt. Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Home Field Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. Our final matchup here is a 3-14. Justin Nichols, the three seed, the 14 seed, Drew Lenhart out of the South Region. And the winner of this will take on Alex Fair in the second round. So we'll start with you, Drew. Uh, lost in the first round last year. What did you learn from your first trivia experience? And are you doing anything differently in uh, getting preparation for this one? Well, I uh, am not doing anything differently. I honestly forgot until you sent me that email a few minutes ago. So I'm glad you emailed me. Okay. Well, uh, a little scrambled here. But uh, hopefully we'll see if we can get the best from uh, Ryan. Um, or Drew, I'm sorry. Uh, Justin, um, you were not in this last year, but you were in this in the first edition and made it to the sizzling 16, but it's a little different format now. Do you feel like this is more beneficial to you or do you think this will make it more difficult? Oh, probably, probably a little bit more difficult. I, I know the first year we did, it was all college basketball with some focus on KU. I know plenty about KU, but I know a lot about other schools too. So uh, this will be fine though. I, I'm confident either way. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and roll the music here. Drew, you are the lower seed. You have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I will go second. All right, Drew's going to go second. That means Justin is going to go first. On to the really easy round of questions. For you, Justin, in May of 2013, this number one overall recruit committed to Kansas and was later a one-and-done wing and the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. What's his name? Andrew Wiggins. Yep, Wiggins. That was uh, that was a fun time when he committed. I was taking a final. Yeah, I was uh, in an AP test in high school. Uh, okay, uh, what's this one for you, Drew? What's the name of Wiggins' former freshman teammate and center, who was also his NBA All Star teammate this past season? I'm gonna have to go with Joel Embiid. That's right, Joel Embiid. A lot of Joel Embiid questions today. All right, on to the easy round of questions. Back to you, Justin. Two players recorded a double-double for Kansas in the national title game earlier this year. Both are starters. Name one. David McCormick. Yep, Big Dave with a big double-double. The other answer was Christian Brown. All right, this one for you, Drew. Two wing players scored exactly 12 points for Kansas in the national championship game. No more, no less. Both are starters. Name one. Christian Brown. Yep, Christian Brown, Ochag Baji. Both scored exactly a dozen points. Okay, on to the medium round of things. Back to you, Justin. This forward led Kansas in both points and rebounds over the course of the 2002 to 2003 season. Nick Collison. Yep, 
Nick Collison, All-American player. He was a stud for KU. Okay, back to you, Drew. This senior All-Big 12 guard donning the number 10 led that 2002-2003 to team in three-point makes with 89, which was 65 more than second place. What's his name? Kirk Heinrich. Yes, sir. Kirk Heinrich, the correct answer there. 65 more than second place. You can tell Jeff Boshi was no longer part of that <laughs> yeah. squad. No, he was not. Um, and certainly a, a different game where your second highest three-point guy made whatever, 24 20. or something yeah. like that. Okay, we're going to cue up the music and uh, get a little bit more intense here. On to the hard round of things. Back to you, Justin. In the 20, in the, I'm sorry, in the 2004 Sweet 16. So 2004 Sweet 16. Kansas defeated UAB behind a team best 30 points from who? Wayne Simeon. That's right. Big dub. Got KU. A big Wrecked dub. that press. Absolutely destroyed the UAB press. Yes, they did. That was just a huge game overall for everyone. Okay. This one back to you, Drew. In 2000, Kansas lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament to Duke. Only one Jayhawk scored double-digit points, scoring 12. What guard was that? Jock Vaughn. Jock Vaughn would have graduated in 1997. The correct answer was Kirk Heinrich. Kirk Heinrich. You had the last answer for the correct answer there. So Put a scare into Duke that game. Yeah, he did, and uh, Kirk Heinrich is a big reason why, even though, again, he was the only guy in, sing- in yeah, double digits. 69-64, a very low-scoring mm-hmm. game. Especially for, for two Blue Bloods. Well, Drew, you go out here in the first round, but, again, you you forgot that this was even a thing that was happening today, so I, I guess, you know, if you would have won, it just kind of would have been a cherry on top of your Friday. Exactly, and last year uh, it didn't go as well. I, I think I missed my second question last year, so improvement. Yeah, there you go. I want to say this, Drew. I was, I was wondering. I once heard a story. I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a um, in the nineteen eighty uh, Winter Olympics. There was a, uh, a speed skater for the United States who was picked to win gold, and he was out. And he he had a buddy on the hockey team, and he went to that hockey game and watched him defeat the Soviets. And he was out partying and all excited, and he slept in past his wake up time for what was supposed to be his race. Uh, but he got up and had a very brief warm up, and then wound up winning the gold. And I thought, is Drew gonna pull? Is he gonna wake up late and and pull off the <laughs> that win like that guy or I was not? In another Zoom all morning too, so it was it would have been perfect. Well, Justin, you're moving on, and uh, a win in the new format for you. So you've collected your third trivia win. Um, so thoughts on on your performance here with the new format? Uh, I was comfortable and uh, feel feel good about it. I had a good good competitor against me today and uh just just lucky to move on all right well guys appreciate you joining in trivia and justin we'll hear from you next week sounds good Thank thanks you. guys. good luck justin so first round in the books another three seed moving on with justin um all right so if, if we do a you know i guess this would be like a second chance bracket essentially who would be your final four picks right now or phenomenal four phenomenal four i'm sorry uh me. for a second chance well, I think the first one you got to go with is uh, Lane from earlier. By second chance, do you mean like guys who got out? No, no, no. I mean like second chance bracket. Like the first chance bracket was when the bracket hadn't. Oh, you started mean yet. like I mean like you're making chance. your picks. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant second chances and guys who have been booted. No, 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 we no, give them no. another shot. Um, 
I don't know. I, I uh, well, uh, then I'll go back to that same match and say Doug uh, from earlier would be up there as a final four pick or a phenomenal four pick. So I'm going with, you know, there are four phenomenal four picks, right? It's not just one. Yeah, um, but I'm just going through guys that I would probably change up. So I would put, man, I hate making picks because then it's just going to put me under fire if they don't win. I'm going to say. Or fire from the people they beat. I know, that right? You, that you tilted it in their favor to look right. So I, I don't know because I, I want to pick Eric. He's the defending champ, but Kyle was really impressive yesterday studying with Isaac. I'm going to actually go with a slight underdog pick and give Eric the opportunity to have the chip on his shoulder. I'll go with Kyle in the Phenomenal Four. I'll go with Doug in the Phenomenal Four. I'll go with Isaac in the Phenomenal Four after he just slaughters Nick if they do meet in the Sizzling 16. Uh, Leslie's going to beat him anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, And then, hmm, man, I do like that 15-seed Garrett. Um, Chris is really good, the four-seed. I'll stick with the one-seed Tyler Feist, the new father. I think that's going to propel him. I agree completely. Okay, there we go. When we're wrong, you can uh, make fun of us, but that's part of the game. All right, this is Rock Truck Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. CST. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. No 5G signal goes farther or is better for coverage indoors and outdoors than our extended range 5G1 signal at T-Mobile. You can finally join America's largest and fastest 5G network at T-Mobile. Okay, so uh, we're out a little early today. 5.50 is when pregame is going to take over for KU Baseball. First pitch scheduled for 6 o'clock. I think they're giving away free hats, which is kind of a cool giveaway. I mean, I'm always for a free hat. Uh, so you can go out to the game, but you can hear it here as well. We're going to be joined by Brian Haney. The voice of the Jayhawks coming up here in about 20 minutes. Talk some KU basketball and a little bit of KU baseball with Brian. But before we get into that, here's another edition of our stock market closing bell. It's Friday. The stock market has closed for the week. We're going to get to some sports stories of things that maybe stocks up, stocks down on them right now. The first thing, first story is stock up on revenge. Ooh, interesting. Well, the reason why... I've heard it's sweet and best served mm. on ice. This one was served on Freddie Freeman's bat. Freddie Freeman, who signed with the L.A. Dodgers earlier this offseason. And you could say the revenge would come from the Braves playing against him, but it doesn't sound like the Braves are all that interested in re-signing him, which is weird because he was the face of the franchise. He just won a World Series. They go out and trade for Matt Olson. Freddie Freeman said he felt a little uh, perturbed by that. Ends up signing with the Dodgers. And he hits his first home run in a Dodgers uniform against the Atlanta Braves. Well done. I'm revenge. proud of you, man. So stock's up on revenge. If you've been plotting anything, I guess now's the time to do it. As long as it's revenge like that, we don't want revenge. Right. You know, legal revenge. Right, right. Like, we don't want any, you know, we don't want people... Doing something awful, like taking a dump on their neighbor's porch. Whoa, that over, sounds very over, specific. Over a dispute over a lawnmower. Is this and then uh, is this something that's happening? 
Did you, did you do this? No. It sounds oddly specific. Okay, uh, next My story. My point is we don't want anybody going, uh, no, they told me to do it on RCST. Yeah. Next story. Stocks up on Magic Johnson. Mm. That's the greatest porn name of all time. I mean, uh, the dude probably stock is always up because of the fact that, you know, he's a... I don't know if he's a billionaire, but he's a million, he's, like multi-million. He's doing all right. right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the stock is extra up on Magic Johnson right now because there is a HBO show called Winning Time. It stocks down on that though, because well, his individual, he uh, doesn't like it. Well, Jerry West is gonna is t- talked about suing their ass too. Really? Yeah, Magic Johnson not happy. He says it's not an accurate. Uh, portrayal. I haven't watched it. Uh, I haven't either. One thing I know, I, I I guess they put like multiple times over the course of the show, they'll or like it, well maybe not, not multiple, but like be, I guess beginning and end, they put a disclaimer that like creative like creative artistic light rights. Yeah, it's a TV they, show. Um, they, one of the guys involved with it is uh, Adam McKay. And Adam McKay, he did Talladega Nights. Step Brothers. Uh, Step Brothers. He did my favorite film of his is. Um, I'm actually watching another show uh, with him the right big now. The Big Short. Okay. But one thing that Adam McKay, a very big fingerprint of an Adam McKay television show or or a movie, is he shoots it almost like a documentary, in that the cameras move around a lot. They're not fixed still cameras. They move around a lot as though you're watching like live footage from the room where it happened. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, um, Friday Night Lights. The TV show does that. Do they? Okay. But the yeah, Office you, sort of does that. But yeah, you, 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 that's a kind of a staple of an Adam McKay, you know, um, thing. And, and so he, he'll make a lot of fictitious um, films with, uh, with, with, you know the the strategies of of a of a documentary. Yeah, and so, but nonetheless, even though he doesn't like it, he's on that. He is on. There's a new Apple TV series about a, a documentary with Magic Johnson, and that one is like straight from his own voice. So he's on that. And most importantly, the reason that the the stock's up on Magic Johnson, we're back to the NBA playoffs. It is prime time for dull Captain Obvious tweets. Oh, yeah. From Magic Johnson. Let me let me go over some uh, recent tweets from Magic Johnson. Real quick, I want to add this before while we're talking about these Lakers. Mm-hmm. Something I always say, if you are, I'm not going to say the story, if you are over 18, go check out the story about the Showtime Lakers and find the quote about, I, I don't want to say, the spe- I think I know the specific player, but I don't want to say for sure and, and perhaps you know slander somebody. But one of the players, the wife was being interviewed and said, you know, it's kind of well known your husband was, you know, with other women. If you're over 18, go find the quote that she gave to that because it is hilarious. Uh, here's some Magic Johnson tweets. This was from April 20th. And I, it's a picture of him as a kid. He goes, two more days and you get to learn all about this little boy from Lansing, Michigan. I don't know why that made me smile. Is that the documentary? Life. Nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here, here are some of his tweets on the NBA players. Joel Embiid has been playing like the MVP of the league, and he had another big night in Toronto. He hit the game-winning three to lead his Sixers to a 104-101 victory (laughs) over the Raptors. Like, dude, we're not getting our NBA news from you. Uh, The superb play of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum led the Celtics tonight. Unsung hero Peyton Pritchard scored eight points in the fourth quarter and ten total. I was really impressed with the Celtics' defense, especially in the fourth quarter. I will take that a thousand times out of a thousand over people on like who just want to scream about 
you know, like, you just, their take is to just find whoever the most popular player is. Like, man, Patrick Mahomes is terrible. Yeah, yeah, LeBron yeah. James sucks. I, we know who you're like, talking about. I, yeah, I'll take, right. I'll take Magic's behavior. It's goofy. It's silly. Yeah. It's I'll just, take that a hundred times read, out of hundred. Kevin Durant had another poor shooting night, and if the Nets are going to win, he's going to have to play like the superstar he is. He basically point. He tweets like you would imagine <laughs> someone his age would tweet. It's just it's so just odd, funny because he's so like Captain Obvious. A, yeah, like, but he tweets like you would imagine someone his age to tweet, but like somebody you know. Something like a former teacher would, you know, not a guy who was known, you know, who was once the biggest star in the world, hung out at the Playboy Mansion, you know, guided the one of the biggest NBA franchises ever in the the mecca of entertainment. Like of all the people, you figure he can talk a little smoother. Than I know, that. right? Yeah, exactly. He's like one of the most. Yeah. Okay. Our uh, next story. Stocks down on OG MLB fans. So if you're you're a MLB, you know, original who don't change the game, you know, we keep it everything the same, uh, you're going to hate this. Pitch clock is in minor league baseball and so it's really far. really doing well. Yeah, over the first 132 minor league games that included, it was a 14-second pitch clock with bases empty, 18-second pitch clock with runners on. Games have been shaved about a 20-minute span, so about, on average, 2 hours 59 minutes to 2 hours and 39 minutes, and apparently this is setting the stage for it to be introduced in the MLB in 2023. Here's what I'll say. Part of being an old-school MLB fan might be getting annoyed with these three-hour, three or with these three-and-a-half-hour games, three, three-and-a-half-hour games. Now... If you want to say, yes, I would like to go back to the days of two-and-a-half, two-hour, 40-minute games, but doing it with a pitch clock is too artificial, fine, because the reason back in the day um, games didn't take this long is because, one, they didn't change pitchers this often. Two, it wasn't step out of the batter's box, yeah, get on the each glove, between. Pop, the, pop the helmet, you know, give the sign of the cross, hit the chest, spit on the gloves again, then step back after every single pitch. That's another reason. Uh, but because those things happen, I think that's why you need to get back to a pitch clock. I, I think this will be a good thing because I think uh, back in the day, games did take, they didn't take this long. And, and, you know, part, I think this will go back to that. And that's a good thing. Yeah, there was a really good story by Grant Brisby. He works for The Athletic now, but uh, this is back when he was with SB Nation about um, a game in 1984 and a game in 2014. In a game in 1984, the home team won 11 to two. Um, both teams combined to throw 270 pitches. Both teams combined had 27 base runners and 74 batters came to the plate. And there was exactly one mid-inning pitching change. There was an exact same game in 2014. Same score. Home team won 11 to two. 268 pitches. It was only two pitches apart. Both had 27 base runners combined. It's the same amount. 75 batters versus 74. So only one more batter. There was exactly one mid-inning pitching change. So the same there. And yet the 1984 game lasted two hours and 31 minutes. The 2014 game lasted three hours and six minutes. It's just those pauses in between. So and I actually this isn't like the NCAA it. tournament when the commercial breaks are long. No, they're the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Our next one. Stock is up on Minnesota sports. All you right. might be saying, well, what do you mean? Well, the most Minnesota sports thing isn't to win a title. It's to 
It's to be good enough to like make the playoffs or do something good, but then just have a crushing defeat. The Twins have lost a billion straight playoff yeah. games. The Vikings have one of the greatest teams, maybe the greatest team ever, to not even make a Super Bowl in the, I think it was 98 Vikings that went 15-1. and one. Yeah, And it took a guy who ne- who hadn't missed a field goal to all, miss it. all year to miss a field goal. They went to, what, four four Super Bowls in the, uh, Total, yeah. in the 70s, and they didn't win a single one. Yeah. The Minnesota Timberwolves got up uh, 1-0, won the first game of the series against the Memphis Grizzlies because Anthony Edwards was awesome. And then in game three, with a chance to go up 2-1, they were up 25 points, 26 at one point, and they lost. They blew the game in the playoffs. So even though it's a bad thing, in another circular way, it's the most Minnesota sports things ever. So Minnesota sports on the up. I once described uh, the Timberwolves as um, Kevin Garnett. The, the Timberwolves franchise that is— too, you, They never even got to, what, a conference finals yeah. with Kevin Garnett? I, I, the, the He's Timberwol- like known as one of the best winners. The you Timberwolves know? franchise is Kevin Garnett and Butt City is basically <laughs> how I describe their franchise. It's awful. Okay, last one. Desolate world. Stock is down on Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma. He's not going to anymore? No, he's already gone, but the stock's down on him doing it because apparently every Oklahoma football player on scholarship will receive a $50,000 NIL per year package. They're having to keep up with Texas. Isn't Texas doing the same thing? I saw they did it for offensive linemen, but I'm sure it's Texas. Like, let's be honest. Everybody's going to get something. A&M just set something up big. USC, you know, he's going to have a better life and uh, maybe an easier path to a title being in the Pac-12 than the SEC. But is USC, they, they have clearly the money for it, but will they invest in the program like that? I don't know. That might just be an Oklahoma and a Deep South thing. If the money's there to be returned, I think they will. I think it's they're going to look at it and go, well, if we put this money in. I think it'll be more of a, in the end, we'll give a, big money to the stars. But I don't know yeah, if it's for every player like yeah. Oklahoma. I think if... It, I, I think if the, the, what they invested to get Lincoln Riley to leave Norman to go there, I think he's kind of in a, I'll, you'll, we'll give you whatever you ask for. Mm. Well, good for the Oklahoma players. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney here. And uh, the Dave McCormick era is officially over now for KU. At least that seems to be the writing on the wall. Jalen Wilson's testing, but that seems to be a, you know, it could come either way. The wording that David McCormick gave seems like it's it's a pretty done deal there. And one thing that we've been talking about a lot this week and that interests me is that, you know, you have all these big men in, in the Bill Self era, and no matter who it's been, they've always had a guy that they can throw it to in the low block and say, you know, go to work or hit a hook shot or whatever, even whether that was Dave or Mitch um, this season. And I look at the centers they have returning next year. Now, maybe, I mean, Zach Clements is a really talented guy. So would it be surprising if he developed into that over the summer and he, he added that to his game in addition to being a stretch five? No, I, I don't think it would. But, you know, the, the current pieces they have at the center position – um, none of them are really that guy. You have stretch fives or you have young guys who maybe are a little bit more raw on the offensive end. Um, so I guess who do you view? Because we've been trying to figure this out as well. Like who do we view as the favorite to be the starting center next year? 
Adam was kind of leaning Ernest Uday if you gave him the totality of the season, but maybe Zach Clements to start. I was kind of leaning Clements. I, I wondered if maybe that would be a possession they would look into the transfer portal to, to gain someone who can do those types of things. Uh, what do you view as being the most likely option to uh, kind of replace Dave next season at that center spot? Man, that is a million-dollar question right there because I don't think there's a clear-cut answer at all. And You did a great job of summing it up. Clemens, you look at as more of a stretch four, but probably has the highest ceiling of a guy that could develop into that by November, December. You, you look at, at Zuby, who's you know six eight, two fifteen, and then you talked about Ernest, who's more of a true center, but probably a little too raw to just slot into the starting five spot on opening night in Indianapolis versus Duke. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean it's probably Clemens unless it's a transfer portal addition. And you know, I wouldn't put that past Bill Self at this point in going out there and adding somebody you never know. I realize it's it's getting late fast here, uh, and there's obviously other positional needs on guys they're in on. But to me, of the options that you know are signed and, and supposed to be a part of this program next year, none of them scream clear-cut answer. And so uh, the, the odds-on favorite would be Clements just based on – his upside and and the flashes of, of that potential that we saw, but he's definitely not cut from that five man cloth like a Yudoka or a Withy or you know even just like a, a scoring on the block strong four like a true power forward Thomas Robinson type. He's not that either, so it's it's definitely going to be different. But depending on who comes back and how much you're you're loading up on the wings with six seven six eight guys, it might not be as you know, pivotal to have that at least at the onset of the season until you develop guys more and more. But even Cam Martin, you know, if, if he's a part of their plans, is, is going to be more of a stretch big. So not your true prototypical feed the rock to the big fella and let him eat type guy. So I think you summed it up really well, Derek, and I'm not adding much in terms of clear-cut decisiveness, but I also think there's a lot of dominoes that have yet to fall, and maybe it's a question we're better suited answering once the dust settles on some of these decisions in the next four weeks. Yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of have a working theory as well with something else that we're seeing right now with KU because um, I, I know – you know, you, you just never really know anymore, like who is going to truly be back uh, among those guys as well. But we haven't seen anybody transfer away from KU, and I don't know, maybe maybe something is coming. But also, they now have a transfer deadline for at least if you want to be immediately eligible, which is May first. That's coming up. That's less than ten days away. And the fact that we haven't seen anybody, like I, I wonder how much winning makes players want to stay more. I mean, I mean, just think about it. Like if you're if you're unhappy on the bench and you're not having a good time, that you're not getting as many minutes as, as maybe you thought you were or maybe you hoped that you would get coming into the year, but your team wins the title, and you're still celebrating with the team, and, and even though you're not happy with maybe where you are individually, you still have that camaraderie going on, and I can't help but wonder if KU winning the title is allowing them to keep more of these guys that maybe are like, hey, why don't I give this thing another crack because I, I see what it looks like when it worked last year, and if I can be one of those starters that lets this happen, how cool would that be? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. To me, the question is, how many of those guys are guys that help you keep the bar raised to that degree? Uh, and, and the hope is that the guys you got that have had a year in the system can take that next step. But if 
there's a better, more impactful piece you could add via the portal, uh, and somebody has to leave in order to make that happen, that wouldn't surprise me either. Because the truth of the matter is, especially with Jay Wright's sudden retirement, I mean, Kansas basketball has the best active head coach in all of college hoops. And even though we, we won one and we can feel good about that forever, you know, it, it's on to the next. That's just the reality of the situation sitting in that chair. And Bill Self feels that way. He's thinking that way. They're trying to, to reload, to do what Baylor did and, and, and come right back the very next year and be in contention for a national title, even when you lose so many key pieces, which it appears Kansas is going to lose at, at least three huge pieces in Ochai, David, and Remy. And then, you know, a likely fourth could come in the form of CB or Jalen uh, if, if, you know, neither of those come back. But to me, Kansas still has a chance of three McDonald's All-Americans and some really good guys still on the roster to be very competitive next year. But realistically, to be national championship competitive, they probably need to hit on one of those major portal guys. And, you know, that, that will require multiple guys taken off or, uh, you know, eventual transfers of KU zone of, of lesser impactful guys. And I'm not sitting here predicting that. I have nothing insider to tell you that, that somebody that didn't play last year or barely played would leave. But I, I do think, to your point, there is a, a desire to stay around and be a part of this and, and uh, you know, build off of it and defend it. But realistically, to defend it, they're probably going to need to add one more big piece. And, and it would surprise me to no end if they just sat where they were at and stayed put with what they've got. It just is very unbill self-like. As good as the freshman signees are going to be with that four-player freshman class, three of which are McDonald's All-Americans, I'd be stunned if they didn't have an impactful 22-year-old type transfer added to the mix. Because look at the, the experience and, and the uh, you know, veteran-type talent you're losing to early entry. So to me, I, I think there's still a chance one or two guys get added. But in order for that to happen, you probably get bad news on, on one or two of those guys leaving for the pro draft. And, and, and maybe not bad news, but, but other news that, that there's you know, another departure in the mix as well. But who knows? As we sit here today, we haven't had much movement there. And obviously a lot of that's delayed by the fact that our season extended longer. And some of those conversations were just kind of had for the first time this past week. Uh, there's been other stuff that the staff was dealing with on Friday that's non-basketball related that as a group they were going to do in support of Coach Self and his family and celebrating his father's life. And so I, I think that, you know, the, the rubber meets the road on a lot of those types of news stories and, and uh, you know, stuff starts to pick up really next week. So we'll see what that looks like for Kansas. But they're in a tremendous position, no doubt. And, and certainly, you know, one of the most attractive destinations they could possibly go when you've got a good blend of returning talent but an obvious need to fill some pretty huge shoes based on who from that championship team is moving on. All right, I've got a fun, uh, I don't know, hypothetical might not be the way of, of saying this, but um, obviously there's always rafters talk, and we've had plenty of that with you over the, the past month, and there's going to be more to come with, with David McCormick, certainly. Um, but as we look to the next wave of players, and again, we don't, we don't totally know who all is going to have a long career with KU, who's going to do this or that, who's going to even be on next year's roster. You just... You don't in the changing landscape of college basketball, but we do have an idea of, of a good amount of players that will be on next year's team. If I told you um, to peg the, the, the favorite or something uh, of, of a player who is going to be on next year's team to eventually have his jersey retired 
in the Allen Fieldhouse rafters, who would you go with? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, gosh, the obvious one would have to be Grady Dick based on the, mm. the national accolades he's picked up now as a high school senior. Um, but then again, you know, how many years does he stay? Right. What, what does it look like for him? That kind of thing. Um, man, you know, I, I guess the, you know, the easy answer, if you knew for sure CB was possibly coming back or Jalen mm-hmm. was coming back, would be to go with one of those two guys because they're already a national champion, and either of them, if they come back, would be a strong contender for Big 12 Player of the Year, and in CB's case, probably be the preseason favorite, uh, especially now with Tyrese Hunter leaving Iowa State. He, that's a guy that I remember telling you guys in January, I thought eventually maybe by his junior year, he'd be a Big 12 Player of the Year type guy, and thankfully now we don't have to worry about him, <laughs> at least not at Iowa state who knows where he lands right uh we better be careful he might wind up in our backyard or something but uh the point is um you know i, I think that of the guys that have yet to play their first game i go with grady uh but mj rice is a big time scorer too you never know um but if if we include the possibility of cb or Jalen coming back then clearly it'll be one of those two guys because i think they both have a tremendous shot to be the league player of the year and then you're adding that to the national championship pedigree and, and they look like a pretty slam dunk pick but we'll see that's that's a tough question again yeah i love all these questions but we're probably <laughs> like three weeks away from really being able to, to truly speculate and maybe five weeks to be honest going all the way to june 1st um because then we'll know for sure you know who's staying in who's coming back and there'll be some some movement in other places that gives this roster a lot more shape to it by then so yeah it's, it's kind of like one of those like Vegas futures bets you have to place way way early and then you know movement happens and you feel really good you got your ticket in when it did you know based on on you know an addition here or a subtraction there this is one of those futures type bets that I, I, I think it'll be a lot easier to make in five weeks yeah hundred percent I mean um, I I uh, kind of want to make a case for Dewan Harris, honestly. Like, I, I guess that's that's maybe the reason I wanted to bring this up because um, the idea that you could have, and I get it, like the, the total numbers aren't there, so something would have to, to change there at some point. But the idea that Dewan Harris, um, because of the COVID year, and he had the redshirt year, you could have him for six years, and you could have him for three more years as your starter. I mean, think about that. How often in college basketball – do you get a point guard who won you a national title as a starter and he could start for three more seasons after that? So, like, again, I, I don't know what the numbers would have to look like because he is more of a, from a numbers guy, more of that glue guy. But what happens if he does go out there and, and over the course of playing five years, being at Kansas for six years, I don't know, they win another title with him starting as a point guard and he wins Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and he ends up in the top three all-time of, of assists or, or something. I, I don't know what the path would be there, but I feel like there's a lot of years to work with. Well, that's that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that one that way. And, you know, he'd be one of those guys if criteria ever opened up a bit and some of those extrapolations you're talking about came to fruition, maybe there is a case. But the thing that, in my mind, eliminates him from consideration is the fact that Aaron Miles is not in the rafters. And he had two Final Fours and the all-time assist record, and it still wasn't enough. So, uh, you know, for DeWan, under the current criteria, he'd really have to emerge and, and become, you know, a go-to player and, and a conference player of the year because I don't think counting stats or racking up multiple team accolades at this point is going to be enough unless 
itself really does reevaluate the criteria. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that has a chance to leave a really special legacy if he exhausts all of that eligibility. And uh, my goodness, what he's already accomplished um, has far surpassed what our expectation was. And so who are we to limit, you know, what his ceiling might be going forward? I think he just keeps on, you know, breaking expectations and surpassing what folks had as preconceived notions but guys like miles not being up there makes it hard for guys less accomplished than miles to dare to dream that big but hey juan's been overcoming things his entire life i'm not going to start betting against him now yeah and i i agree it's an uphill climb but i i guess my point is he has the potential there with three more years and i don't know that would be an interesting conversation if hypothetically he did win one more title as a starting point guard because then i believe he would be the first kansas jayhawk outside of the Helms titles years, to win multiple NCAA tournaments. I mean, I that's not a part of the criteria, but it'd have to be weighed at, at some point there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a game-changing type. Be the only player. Uh, r- resume note, yeah. So I, I, I don't uh, disagree with that one bit, but hopefully we are talking about these things right. because Kansas is able to really get on a run. And, and like I alluded to with Jay Wright retirement and where that leaves the landscape of, of college basketball coaches, I, I know that Izzo still has a lead on Final Fours, but I'll take self in every other category any day of the week. And so we've got the winningest, most accomplished, you know, still in his prime type guy. And you know, if we can get out from underneath this this cloud of uncertainty that the NCAA's ongoing investigation has created, once we get that in the rearview mirror, think about the the stretch run of Self's career. However many years he has in front of him left, and hopefully it's ten plus. But but in case it's not, whatever it is, I mean he's now the guy, and uh, and and the chance to you know become even higher on that list of, of multiple national title-winning coaches. You know, we know about the 15 that have two, but just six have three or more, one of which is Roy Williams with three at North Carolina. Of course, Coach K has five. But, uh, I mean, he has a chance to, to really finish in, in rarefied air. And once you get to that three-plus threshold, and then you start adding in the feathers in his cap that nobody else can boast, like the regular season dominance of 14 straight and 16 out of 19 and all the one seeds and the winning percentage and all that, then his case becomes truly set apart. And and now that, that you know certain guys are, are stepping back just to think about who was coaching in college basketball even a year ago that isn't now um it's it's awesome that that we've got the the pinnacle of the profession right here at kansas and hopefully we can capitalize on that for as much as possible and whatever uh, the remaining tenure looks like for bill self we're talking with voice of jayhawks brian haney um by the way with baseball I, i don't know what games you're doing um over the the coming set i know we have some action tonight here on klwn but uh uh, what's what's to look out for on the diamond for KU baseball? I think they're doing a hat giveaway tonight too. You know, um, I'm going to do all the rest of the games, but the home games I'm on TV, so I won't get to talk to you guys down the airwaves tonight. But uh, I'm excited about these guys. I think that you know, clearly, it's it's a club that's jockeying for the the final position or two in the Big Twelve pecking order that makes it to the Big Twelve tournament. They're currently sub 500, so. An NCAA tournament run would have to take something really special in this last month of the regular season. But, you know, they've got some individual talent that I highly encourage fans to get out and watch while you can. I mean, Maui Ahuna, as we talked about last week, could be the highest drafted position player in the 20-year history of Rich Price at KU and might, might be the best overall talent at any position they've had. 
his numbers have cooled a bit since we talked last week. I mean, he was hitting 453 and leading the nation last week when you brought him up. He's cooled a little bit, but still, uh, as of midweek, was, was eighth in the country in batting average. And he's a guy that, that also gets it done with the glove in an electrifying fashion with some of the plays he makes in the sixth hole. Tavian Josenberger at second base, former center fielder, leadoff hitter. He's a blast to watch as well. And so as Oklahoma comes in, a team that does have NCAA tournament hopes, but right now has scuffled a little bit in league play at 4-5 and five in Big 12 Conference competition. This is a big series for OU. It's a huge series for Kansas. After K-State went out and won two of three last weekend versus Texas, that Sunflower Showdown series coming up in early May in Manhattan is looking Absolutely huge, of paramount importance. But you love to get a little bit of a leg up heading in. Right now, they're mere percentage points away from each other for eighth and ninth place with K-State having played an extra Big 12 weekend. So this is a big one. I mean, Oklahoma's probably better than their conference record would indicate at four and five. But I, I also think that you only have so many chances against teams that are in that second tier of the league standings. Keep in mind, the top three teams in the Big 12 are all in the top ten nationally. That's the type of conference you're talking about. So when you get a chance to take on a team that's, albeit still very good and clearly, you know, deserves to be in the conversation for being included in the field of 64, you're on your home field. You got to go out there and protect it. You got to find a way to win this weekend. And if they do, uh, suddenly, you know, KU leapfrogs K State more than likely, and then they're in the driver's seat for that eighth spot that gets to go down this year to the new ballpark in Arlington, the, the brand-new Ranger Stadium. They're moving away from Bricktown for a while, and so that's always the immediate goal, and then anything past that is icing on the cake, and that's still very much in play, but in order for it to be, you got to take care of your home field these next three games. He is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, Brian, one last thing. It's National Egg Salad Week. What goes into your ideal egg salad? <laughs> this is going to blow your mind, Adam. Egg salad is one of like five things, including coleslaw and, and even potato salad, for that matter, that at the age of like five or six years old, I just decided in my mind, that doesn't look good. I'm never <laughs> going to try it. And 36 years later, I still haven't. So you basically, and, and you basically don't eat anything at a funeral potluck then, huh? I try not to frequent them that often because it's kind of a downer. <laughs> well, yeah, usually. but, but, you're, but those but, are yeah. all sides you're getting there. I, no, I agree. But that, there's probably like three or four more things on the list. But honest to God, I've never had it, even at 41 years old, because I just made up my mind early in life. I don't think that looks good. And I... I'm going to pass. You well, know? I knock out one hell of an egg salad, so I'll make you a sandwich and we'll have you try it. Sometime. I'm out. I'm out. I'm with you, Brian. Good. We got the eggs, the mayonnaise. You got the the secret is the, none of this sounds the, like a good combination. The, gra- the ground mustard instead <laughs> okay, of the mustard. Yeah, you're making it worse. The now. paprika and the celery nope. to get some texture. None of those things you said sound appetizing. Well, Brian, thank you for the time as always, man. And a uh, word from Nate Miller. That's right, and thank you guys. I, I'm sorry, Adam. That's so generous of you to offer that. But like, like Derek, the more you kept listing off ingredients, the more I'm like, honestly, I'm good. I, I think I'd have to lose a bet to try it at that point. So let's come up with a wager, and then if, if I lose, I'll have to eat an entire egg salad sandwich on the air. But, yeah, Nate Miller, uh, whether it's uh, egg salad on the menu or 
helping with your financial future, he knows the right call to make. And he'll lay out your portfolio in a way that gives you that long-term peace of mind that you're investing the right way. So check them out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. On top of that, he and his staff are just really cool guys and gals. He's one of those down-to-earth KU fans. I just love hanging with him every year during the Round Ball Classic because he's always one of our big contributors, and he loves the Jayhawks all throughout. So check him out today. Really cool guy, and he also knows his stuff when it comes to financial planning. MillerRetirementGroup.com. All right, fellas, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you maybe real soon. All right, that's Brian Haney. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to Brian to hopping on the show. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. That's going to do it for today's edition of RCST. Out a little bit early today for coverage of KU Baseball 550 with first pitch scheduled for 6 o'clock right here on KLWN. We have more action coming up tomorrow, including a uh, City Showdown softball game at 10 a.m. Sam Speck, Matt Llewellyn will be on the call tomorrow here on KLWN. We'll be back on Monday for more RCST trivia and another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.